0: At this point, I believe there is enough evidence to suggest that Joe Biden's guilty at the very least to warrant an investigation to find more direct evidence. But the latest email drop from Tucker Carlson is as close to direct proof of corruption as you can get. Now, Tucker says the Biden camp is not denying these emails. And if it is a hoax, it is the most sophisticated hoax in human history because this is Hunter Biden's email. These are his emails, this is his email address. They haven't denied this. Everything is lining up. And the latest email drop shows that a few days before Joe Biden got the Ukrainian prosecutor fired, an email went out from a Burisma executive asking for this to be done. Now, I'm going to read through this to give you a point by point breakdown of why this is so significant. But the bigger story here is how the Democratic establishment and the remnants of the Republican establishment, the crony political establishment, has fallen into a sheer panic. The censorship on social media, the big money from Wall Street pouring into Joe Biden's campaign. They are desperate. The media manipulation, the moderator from C-SPAN asking a Trump hater for advice The establishment, mainstream political cronies are freaking out and it's going to get worse. Rudy Giuliani says 10 days before the election, he's got a, well, a fancy October surprise. We'll see what he's got, but I've seen enough. I've absolutely seen enough. We know how the game is played. It's unfortunate that the avatar Of fighting this crony corporate establishment is Donald Trump, because he's far from perfect. But I'll tell you what, if Trump is the bull charging into the ivory tower and he kicks out these corny, uh, uh, corny, well, yes, corporate (laughs) corrupt individuals, I'll take what I can get because these emails from uh, from Tucker Carlson, this is crazy stuff. But it's not just that. I mean, Joe Biden has been beating Trump and the Democrats have been beating the, the, the Republicans in fundraising. And you got to understand when you look at things like the Lincoln Project, these former establishment Republicans are desperately trying to cling to power. And so they're propping up Democrats because the Democratic establishment is still in power, at least a little bit. They still control a bit of the cultural institutions. And this is their last ditch effort. So Joe Biden is reaping the rewards of this just an insane amount of money pouring in from the millionaires and the billionaires. Where's uh, Bernie Sanders to call that out? Bernie Sanders jumped right in. Well, we are seeing them push back. It's not just Wall Street, it's not just the censorship, mainstream media claiming Rudy Giuliani is being manipulated by the Russians. The Russian thing wasn't true. That's how insane things are getting. And I'll tell you what. Everything we are seeing says to me they know they're on the uh, they're on the verge of collapse and they are firing everything they've got. And it's not enough. I'll tell you what else is crazy. This guy who got these emails, he gave the hard drive to the FBI. And now House Republicans want to know what was the FBI doing? Were they sitting on this? Were they withholding this? I think y'all need to understand. Trump is not an establishment player, and they are desperate to stop him. Let's uh, let's read this first story and see exactly what Tucker Carlson has revealed. But before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate. If you'd like to support my work, there are many ways you can give. There's a P.O. box. The best thing you can do. Share this video. Let people know what's going on. Why? The Hunter Biden explosive bombshell story with the walls closing in the beginning of the end for Joe Biden getting no play, no traction. Where is it? Joe Biden did not get asked about any of this. Last night, information came out from Rudy Giuliani. Nobody seemed to ask Joe Biden anything about it. Isn't that strange? In a text message from Rudy Giuliani, he he claims it's Hunter Biden saying pop makes you pay him half his half your salary, implying Joe Biden is getting his kids into positions of power, but they got to pay up a fee to him. Sounds a bit extreme. But where is Joe Biden to deny it? Where's Hunter Biden to deny any of it? Nowhere to be found. And the media won't even bother asking why, because I think they know the end is nigh, at least for them. But we'll see how things bear out. If you think the story is important, please consider sharing this. And don't forget to like subscribe to the notification bell. Let's read the first story from the Daily Mail. New leaked email revealed by Tucker Carlson uh, shows that Joe Biden visited Ukraine after Hunter was asked by his business partner to arrange for influential U.S. policymakers to travel to the country to help their firm Barisma. They report revealed on Tucker Carlson tonight. The November 5th, 2015 email from Vadim Pazarski says that the visits were needed to close down any pursuits against the head of the firm, Burisma, where Hunter Biden sat on the board. During Biden's visit the next month, he successfully pressured Ukrainian officials to fire the prosecutor who was looking into Pazarski's business, according to, according to Victor Shokin himself. Carlson also released another exclusive email to Hunter from the PR company, Blue Star Strategies, which spoke about Biden's trip to the Ukraine As vice president that year. In the first email dated November 2nd, 2015, from Pizarski to Hunter, the businessman stated that the purpose of the email is to be on the same page as to our final goals, including but not limited to a concrete course of actions. Carlson added that according to the emails they had seen, the exec wanted high ranking U.S. officials to express their positive opinions of Burisma. The Fox host also claimed that Pizarski wanted the U.S. administration to act on Burisma's behalf in winning this good PR quote. The scope of work should also include organization of a visit of a number of highly recognized and influential current and former U.S. policymakers to Ukraine in November. The email allegedly said it added that it was aiming to bring meetings uh, with and bring positive signal message and support, as well as close down any cases, pursuits ahead of uh, against the head of Burisma in Ukraine. Carlson claimed the email couldn't be clearer in asking Hunter for his father's help in getting the company out of trouble. One month after this, on December 2nd, an email released exclusively by Fox gave further details on how Hunter was involved in his father's trip to Ukraine. The email was sent to Hunter from PR firm Blue Star Strategies, but does not go into any further details about the trip. Hello, all. This morning, the White House hosted a conference call regarding the vice president's upcoming trip to Ukraine the email said attached is a memo from from the blue star strategies team with the minutes of the call which outlines the trip's agenda and addressed several questions regarding US foreign policy toward Ukraine which you need to understand this pr firm worked for barisma why were they on a call with the white house biden had visited the ukraine visited ukraine between december 7th and 8th 2015 on the 5th Of his sixth visits to the country as vice president, only two of the trips were taken after Hunter joined the board. The Fox host claimed that short of time frame between the email and the trip during which Biden pressured Ukrainian officials to fire a prosecutor who was investigating Burisma seemed to show that the VP had been influenced by his son. That's how things work in this white in the White House. Carlson fumed tailoring foreign policy to get your son rich. He also noted that Biden himself may have profited from it suggesting that an email between Hunter and his kids, which said unlike their grandfather, he wasn't going to take half their salary, was in relation to the Burisma deal. He noted that the emails had not been wholly verified, but claimed that if they were fake, this is the most complex and sophisticated hoax in history. It almost seems beyond human capacity. Carlson's latest revelations came after a second drop of emails have said to come from Hunter's laptop and were released on Thursday. The first emails were released by the Post. This we understand. Carlson said that when they checked Hunter Biden's email, everything lined up. The dates line up with what we know publicly, and it would be incredibly sophisticated if they staged this. But let me just give you the layman terms of this. Why did Joe Biden get a foreign prosecutor fired in a country? We, what, what, what business have we in with Ukraine's prosecutor? Well, according to the, the various journalists covering the story, the EU thought he was corrupt and so did Britain. And we and the the European Union was trying to negotiate with Ukraine to join the European Union. But there's a problem. Corrupt prosecutor. That's the official story. And I think it makes sense. But is it possible that even though that story may be true, that Joe Biden was using that to gain power and money? You see, the thing about Burisma was that it was trying to bring energy options into the European Union because. Western interests were competing with Russian interests in the Gazprom uh, natural gas monopoly. This is part of what happened with Syria. Sounds to me like Joe Biden knew what was going on and used his son as an intermediary to make cash for his family because he knew what the plan was. Now, I'm not going to get into any more details on this for the most part, because that's what the emails reveal. And I think this is close to direct evidence we've gotten so far. There's a lot that needs to happen. I mean, we need an investigation of this. We need the FBI. We need a special prosecutor. We need someone to look into what the Bidens were doing. What caused Russiagate? Nonsense, nothing, false FISA warrants. And we can't even get an investigation or any journalist to ask a simple question of Joe Biden. That's how bad things are. And that's why I'm a bit angry about this. But I'll tell you what the response shows. It's scared. The establishment, that is. Rudy Giuliani tweeted this. The photo below is a screenshot of a text message from Hunter Biden to his daughter, Naomi Biden, on January 3rd, 2019. This describes the amount kicked back to the boss, Joe Biden, as happens in every organized crime group. Now, I've had to remove the image because of potential censorship rules. But I tell you what it says. I've already talked about it. It's the message that says, unlike Grant, you know, uh, uh, like Grandpa or whatever, or unlike pop, I'm not going to take half your salary. That's what it said. Now, the reason, they try, the reason they're giving for taking down all of these stories is that it revealed secret information or private information. OK, I tell you what. So I removed the image, but I can still show you Giuliani tweeted it. I can still tell you what he said. Now, Giuliani says he's got more in the bag. Check this out. Fugitive Chinese billionaires allies hyped Hunter Biden bombshell with three hard disk drives of videos and dossiers in September. And Rudy Giuliani claims he will reveal corruption evidence against Joe 10 days before the election. I think he will. You know, it's really fascinating to me. It could be that uh, Rudy Giuliani has just, uh, in his old age, lost the plot. Could be. I mean, Joe Biden did. But Joe Biden's only always kind of been, you know, bad, you know. Rudy Giuliani, as I'm told, because I'm relatively young, I'm 34, I saw a tweet that said people under 40 won't remember this, but Rudy Giuliani is responsible for taking down an an organized crime family, one of the most notorious. And Rudy Giuliani is banking on that. He's given statements where he says he's got the evidence. But let me tell you what's going on. I don't know about, you know, Rudy Giuliani's skills or abilities because maybe I'm too young. Maybe it's true. But I'll tell you what. They're slow rolling this. The fact that we're now on day three. And I'm giving you tidbits every day. It's kind of annoying to me. There's a lot more happening in the story, so I'm glad to give you the context around the panic from the establishment, for sure. But if you think they dropped their biggest bombshell already, I think you would be mistaken. Because you don't need to be a master investigator to know you put out a little bit. What you do is your first story should be big enough to elicit a big response. Then you give little bitty stories. Keep the, keep the flow going. And then as you get closer and closer to your, to your appropriate date, you drop the bombshell. I'm willing to bet Giuliani's got something. He's got something big. Because another strategy you got to understand here is this is what we, we can see from like Project Veritas. You put out a story so that everybody says, oh, actually, and they give their excuses. Oh, actually, oh, here's my excuse. And then you go, oh, interesting. So you're saying that the reason for these emails is this. Boom. Then you drop the next bit of evidence. You lied. You catch them in a trap. You force them to respond in panic, them not knowing what you have put out bunk information. So why is it the media is staying away from this, not asking Joe Biden? And why won't Joe Biden respond? Because they probably get it. Oh, they know if they give a statement too soon and then Giuliani or Tucker or the New York Post or anybody puts out more information then they're liars and they lose all credibility. Their best bet is to do and say nothing. It's an old PR strategy. Don't put fuel on the fire. But you know what? We're going to keep talking about it because it's serious. Joe Biden, in my opinion, is corrupt. Let me tell you, Donald Trump, his family may have made money, but it seems like Trump's net worth is going down. So your argument could be that Trump is sacrificing his personal wealth to give his family opportunities, I guess, but I'm not buying it. You know why? Because they have thrown everything and the kitchen sink at Trump. They have tarnished his name, his family. Once beloved, silly celebrities are now hated by people around the world, many people in the US. I can't imagine Trump thought he was going to profit off of being president, knowing people were going to hate him and his family, too. I mean, anyone in his family could bow out and sell a book like, you know, all of the other, you know, like Cohen, for instance, and make money off it. They're not. They're standing by him, even though they're losing money. I think I read somewhere, though, to be fair, that, uh, you know, Ivanka and, and Jared, I think, made a decent amount of money. So don't get me wrong. But it is true that the reputations have been have been dragged through the mud and they were already rich to begin with. I'm not sure you're going to convince me that a couple of billionaires are losing money to make millions. That doesn't seem to make sense to me. I mean, maybe. Sure. But the Bidens, Scranton, middle class Joe, now a millionaire. Yeah, that makes me wonder. Now, check this out. In response to what we're seeing from Rudy Giuliani, I got to make sure I'm being fair, but also throw some criticism. The Washington Post writes, White House was warned Giuliani was target of Russian intelligence operation to feed misinformation to Trump. They say U.S. intelligence agencies warned the White House last year that President Trump's personal lawyer, Giuliani, was the target of an influence operation by Russian intelligence, according to four former officials familiar with the matter. The warnings were based on multiple sources, including intercepted communications, that showed Giuliani was interacting with people tied to Russian intel during a December 2019 trip to Ukraine, where he was gathering information that he thought would expose corrupt acts by former Vice President Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. I have serious concerns about this. First, I don't believe it. I don't. Sorry. The Washington Post endorsed Joe Biden. Your stories mean nothing to me because you want Joe Biden to win. But I'll tell you this. If Rudy Giuliani, I don't believe he would be fed this information. But I do believe there's probably foreign interests that will hack, say, Hunter Biden very easily, by the way, put the information on a computer, drop it off at a repair shop and boom, they've laundered and cleaned that information. I think it's possible there are foreign influences trying to screw with the American electoral system. However, does that change the information or the veracity of the information? No, it doesn't. If the information's real, then well, so be it. Joe Biden, in my opinion, is corrupt, and we've seen the corruption for a long time, and I'm not the only one saying it. Politico magazine said it last year. Biden Inc. It's a long—there's been many, many stories about Joe Biden enriching his family. So maybe Rudy Giuliani is being fed Russian misinformation. Okay, Joe Biden need only come out and deny each and every one of these things. He won't do it. He won't do it for a couple of reasons, and I want to make sure I'm being fair, because by addressing it at all, he can make the story much, much bigger. And I understand that PR strategy. However, that's the wrong strategy to take right now. I think they're worried it's going to be a Hillary's email scenario all over again. If he comes out and says it's not real, then he just shines a light on it. Sorry, you have to address this. We have known about his son's problem. And let me tell you something. With all due respect to drug addicts, and I mean this with respect to them, they need help and understanding. And that goes for Hunter Biden as well. We see him. With some kind of pipe in his mouth in, this one of the, in some of these photos. Some say it's crack, some say it's meth. But we know the dude's got a crack problem. And I'm not trying to be mean about it. Okay. I'm try- I, it's a serious issue and it's sad. It really is. Now, I imagine Joe Biden will go to great lengths to help his son, maybe enriching him, maybe lying for him, you know. But let me, let me tell you something. Why did Burisma appoint Hunter Biden to the board of directors? Now, we often heard this. We hear people say he didn't speak the language and he had no experience in the energy, energy sector. Why would they hire him? And Hunter Biden answered for this. He said, because I'm a, I'm a high powered lawyer with tons of experience in international relations. It has nothing to do with speaking Ukrainian. OK, why would they hire a crackhead? I'm not trying to be mean. I mean it. Think about it. You got a You got a massive billion dollar comp- company. You got this guy. He's a great lawyer, but you know he's a crackhead. You gonna hire him. Yeah, probably not. No matter what his skills are, you're going to be like, yo, you got serious problems, man. You need help. Maybe Hunter Biden was selling something else. He was his father's proxy. I've seen these conversations happen. I have seen how how family is family. Family comes first for all these people. You understand family comes first for you. Now, imagine you got a kid. It's going to make some sweet, some sweet cash from your opportunities you know, this happens all the time in the business world. Why would anyone expect it to to be different in the political world? You got the CEO of a company. He asked somebody, hey, give my son, give my kid a job and pay him well. It happens. I mean, wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, uh Chelsea Clinton getting paid six figures from like MSNBC or something for what? Now think about what happens in politics. Joe Biden, high, high influential position. So he says, give my kid a job. Give my kid a job. It could be that simple. You know, maybe we're wrong about this, but That seems to be the case. Let me show you what's going on. Let me show you who Joe Biden really is. Wall Street donors line up behind Biden in massive third quarter fundraising hall. This story is from today. Joe Biden isn't Joe Joe, uh, Joe Biden's joint fundraising committees benefited from a wave of big money contributions from finance leaders on Wall Street and across the country during the third quarter. Biden's fundraising strength has grown as the election gets closer. The Democratic nominee raised 383 million in September. People in the financial industry have largely favored Biden, spending more than $50 million to back his candidacy, according to the Nonpartisan Center for Responsive Politics, compared with more than $10 million for Trump. Joe Biden is the candidate of Wall Street. He's the candidate of big corporations. And apparently is the candidate of the progressive left. I mean, Bernie Sanders is getting behind him. Doesn't that say something weird's going on? When Wall Street is backing Biden. And the liberals back Biden. You are the crooked corporatist establishment. Straight up. Donald Trump far from perfect, as I always say. But look at the establishment lining up from mainstream media, smearing Trump and Giuliani and relentlessly big money dumping five times as much cash behind Joe Biden. And then we see this from the New York Post editorial board. Deconstructing Twitter's nonsensical excuses for suppressing the posts Hunter Biden scoops. That's right. The censorship. Big tech, these big companies, they want Joe Biden to win and they will cheat to help him. They will dump tens of millions of dollars behind him. This says to me the crony establishment is panicking, sheer panic. They are freaking out. The censorship of this story exposed them, and that was bad. You want to operate in the shadows. You know, Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg like to say, we're not biased. We're not biased. Now go ban that conservative. Think about the high profile Trump supporters who got banned. I think a good example is Paul Joseph Watson. His Instagram account was a bunch of selfies of him like smoking cigarettes in the sunset, and they banned his account. Panic. Absolute panic. But you know what? When you ban an Alex Jones or a Milo Yiannopoulos, then they say, look, you know, these people broke the rules, and you get a lot of normies, a lot of regular people saying, like, I don't know anything about these guys. When they're forced to censor the New York Post, I think that was a slap in the face to regular people. There is no defense of this. It's funny, I see like people, like people I know saying, but well, was the story verified? I'm like, are you going to answer for big tech censoring one of the oldest and and, and largest newspapers in the country? First. I don't care if the story's verified. If the New York Post publishes a story that's news, the fact that they had to come out and shut this story down in panic, it shows that they're collapsing and they know it. They've exposed themselves in a way they normally wouldn't want to. They did a story that was bad for for Joe Biden. And it was shut down on social media. The fact that they made that move shows that they are scared. That's good for Donald Trump. But it's bad for Donald Trump in some ways. I mean, we can see the power they have in suppressing information and manipulating people. But I think more so it's a good thing. I think the censorship was good. They had no choice but to try. But it created a Streisand effect. Now, here we are on day three, and the story is getting bigger and bigger. Now, why weren't they asking Joe Biden about this at the town hall? It's rigged. And that shows Stephanopoulos, ABC, and and mainstream media. They're in on the game. But we can see what's happening. Now, I want to show you one of the bigger stories here. House Republicans ask FBI if it had Hunter Biden's alleged laptop during Trump's impeachment. It comes after The New York Post story was published on Wednesday. According to the computer repairman, he gave it to the FBI over a year ago, and they've been sitting on this. Fox News reports, if a quote, if in fact, if the FBI was in fact in possession of this evidence and failed to alert the White House to its existence, that would have given even more weight to the president's legal defense. This was a gross error in judgment and a severe violation of trust. Remember when they were trying to impeach Donald Trump over Ukraine gate? But apparently they had evidence, the FBI did, that Trump was right, that there was something weird going on with Joe Biden and Ukraine. So why was the FBI sitting on this? Assuming they were, I don't know. The letter was written after the New York Post published emails. We understand this. The Post reported the FBI was in possession of the laptop of which the emails were found in December 2019, right in the middle of the impeachment of President Trump over remarks he made to the Ukrainian president about Biden's conduct in the country. Trump was impeached by the Democratic controlled House, but later acquitted by the Republican controlled Senate. A large portion of the president's legal defense case revolved around strong evidence that former Vice President Biden's son Hunter was peddling his influence to his father to, uh, to, his, to land lucrative jobs overseas. That he might not have otherwise been qualified for, the letter says. The lawmakers ask whether the FBI was in possession of the laptop and, uh, and drive as documented by the Post, whether it took steps to authenticate the drive and the data, and if anyone at the FBI briefed officials at the Department of Justice or White House after December. Why did the New York Post have the information about this laptop and hard drive before the American people it asks? An FBI spokesperson told Fox News the agency had received a letter but declined to comment further in keeping with its practice of not confirming or denying an investigation. Meanwhile, Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham and Josh Hawley on Thursday called on Twitter and Facebook to testify. Well, I tell you what. Now, the Wall Street Journal has called it out. The Hunter Biden business. Joe's son was trading on his father's name and position to cash in. Come on, man. To quote Joe Biden. We know it. We know it. They chose Joe Biden. Joe Biden. It's their fault. But you know why Joe Biden became the nominee? Because it's organized crime, in my opinion. Trump wasn't supposed to win. The Lincoln Project proves that. These old crony Republican types panicked, helping Democrats? Wouldn't that fly in the face of their principles? Ah, they have none. They feign principles to make money. And that's the name of the game. This is good news. All of this is good news. Let's see what Giuliani has to drop next. But you're not going to play any games with me trying to fight over credibility. It's not going to work. Well, I can talk about the mainstream media. I can talk about my opinions on the Washington Post. But let me tell you something simple. Giuliani has a track record. The Washington Post does too. Giuliani is working for Trump. And the Washington Post has endorsed Joe Biden. If both of these sides have their interests, then I can only weigh the evidence placed before me. And if the intelligence agencies entertained Russiagate and lied about that, they have no credibility. The Washington Post story then loses out, in my opinion. And I turn to these emails and I lean towards this is more likely the case. The Wall Street Journal says it and many other people in, in mainstream media said it up until it became a political issue and they wanted Democrats to win. My favorite aspect of Ukraine Gate, let me just tell you, was when Politico said that Ukraine was meddling. In the 2016 election to help the Clintons, and they panicked when Trump won. And then a few months later, when this story broke, Politico published more stories discrediting their own reporting without issuing a retraction. That, to me, is panic. But we'll see how it plays out. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCastNews. It is my other channel, and I will see you all then. Well, last night was a ridiculous disaster of television, epic presidential election proportions. NBC with Donald Trump was an interrogation. ABC was a picnic. Joe Biden took tons of breaks. Donald Trump was berated by the host. It was awful. But it proves a couple of things. The media is broken. The media is biased. The election system is broken. The election system is biased. There was no reason they could not have debated NBC News apparently said it was fine to have Donald Trump at this event. Joe Biden did his event. Trump did his event. What's the problem? It's rigged. It's a scam. The other night, we heard that Steve Scully, who was supposed to moderate the second debate, confessed he was never hacked. He actually was just seeking advice from an anti-Trump critic. And maybe that's the real reason they canceled the debate. Steve Scully was lying and he is a bad journalist now. Last night I said, you know, forgiveness. He apologized. He got caught. All right, we'll figure something out because cancel culture, I think, has gone too far. But this guy can't operate in this capacity anymore. You have journalists. I'll do air quotes for journalists. Lying. I mean, this guy lied. His credibility is gone. You know, I'll forgive him. We'll figure out something he can do, but he can't be a journalist anymore, can he? Maybe, I guess. We have this story from the Daily Mail. NBC is an interrogation and ABC is a picnic. Conservatives erupt in anger after Savannah Guthrie grills Trump with a question every 12 seconds, while ABC host forgets to ask Biden about his son Hunter's emails. Stephanopoulos didn't ask Biden anything. Okay, I mean, like he literally did, but it's a waste of time. So I watched the Trump town hall and man, was it annoying. Save one thing. I couldn't stop laughing at the woman sitting behind Trump, nodding with everything he was saying. Perhaps you saw this. Well, of course, this town hall has triggered many leftists. Their brains are exploding. One person's actually arguing that, like, the producers put the pro-Trump woman behind Trump with the red mask on purpose to reaffirm everything he's saying to manipulate you. Oh, come on. These people have lost the plot. The Joe Biden town hall wasn't a picnic, in my opinion. It was an infomercial. I, I, have you ever stayed up late at night and you're like watching in one of these infomercials and you're just like your eyes are half open. And you're like I slap chop. Like, what is this? Thing? What it was, nonstick pens. And you're kind of just half paying attention. Like, this is boring. Am I learning anything here? Joe Biden said a bunch of dumb things, as per usual. He studied and stammered. At some points, I couldn't even believe it. And I wonder if the real goal with, with, with Joe Biden and with this Trump town hall was to make sure nobody watched Joe Biden do a, it was like an hour and a half long because there were periods where like I literally looked over to my friends and we're like, is, is Joe okay? Like not even, not even joking. Like because there, he got asked a question by someone and he's like, yeah, look, you know, we got, it's, it's, you know, Trump is and, and we're going to, uh, you know, when you get the president and, and, and I was just like, dude, can the guy just slow down and speak? He can't. And some people suggest things like this, signs of dementia. Well, here's the segment I got for you today, where I'm going to read you uh, through some of the criticisms and talk about that that debate last night, or I guess it was a debate last night between Savannah Guthrie and Trump. But we've learned something incredible with Twitter's uh, uh, Twitter censorship of the New York Post story. What we're seeing now is the establishment, the cathedral, as Michael Malice likes to call it. The establishment journalists and what their what their game really is. They've ripped their mask clean off because they're getting desperate. Journalists don't report the news. Journalists parrot acceptable narrative. And that's all they do. They're not trying to help you understand the world. They're not trying to break down what Trump truly believes. They are just yelling at him. I was so annoyed. Okay, did you watch the town hall? Because I'll tell you what, man. It was like 10 minutes in and I'm like, Savannah, Savannah Guthrie keeps asking the same questions over and over. Shut up, dude. We get it. Uh, Man, I tell you, I've done some hard interviews in my life. You know, we recently had the Proud Boys on the IRL podcast and I'm trying to strike that, that, that delicate balance of get him to explain himself, to show his views, to explain who he is, but don't let him just get away with things. I know some people were critical because I had another guy on who was more, more of a libertarian with some social justice views. And they didn't like the job I did, and you, the criticism happens, okay? But I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't interrupt the person you're interviewing and just start yelling at them and saying they're wrong. You ask them. They explain themselves. You don't have to agree or disagree. That's not the job of a journalist. What we're learning now, and what we've known for a long time, is these journalists have no intention... To tell you what Trump thinks, to ask Trump to answer questions. You know how easy it is? Uh, Donald Trump, you recently retweeted a story about SEAL Team 6 that many have said is is conspiratorial and absurd. In fact, the man himself, Rob O'Neill, who is credited with killing Osama bin Laden, says it's not true. Why would you retweet this? Trump then gives his answer, and that's it. Congratulations. You don't just argue with him. What did she say? She was like, you're not some crazy uncle who can retweet whatever he wants. That's your opinion, dude. I didn't turn on a town hall to hear your opinion, Savannah Guthrie. You're not running for office. I don't care who you are. Give me your opinion on someone's crazy uncle. You can say, many view that as irresponsible. How do you respond to this? Next question. If the president doesn't answer to a satisfactory degree or if they dodge the question, you can say, I asked you this question. Could you please answer it? That's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. And with with Joe Biden, it was just, uh, you know, I, I, I they say picnic. It was so boring. I like was like just not even I couldn't even couldn't even pay attention. The only times I was, my, my attention was really captured by Biden was when he lost the ability to speak properly. And that was weird. Anyway, let's read a little bit of this, and then I want to show you some of the psychotic statements that people are making, and we're going to learn a little bit about this lady who was nodding behind Trump the whole time, and it was making me laugh. And then uh, I've got some more. Uh, we're going to do a fake news hat trick, because we got fake news, Wapo, We got fake news, CNN. We got fake news, NBC. Here's a story from the Daily Mail. Conservatives have erupted in anger after NBC Savannah Guthrie grilled Donald Trump with a question every 12 seconds. While George Stephanopoulos was accused of forgetting to ask Joe Biden about his son Hunter's emails, Trump and Biden both held their own town halls Thursday evening, with viewers forced to choose between the clashing timetables after the president scheduled his go-to head-to-head with his competitor. I got to be honest though. If you're looking for some late-night entertainment, I mean Donald Trump's where it's at. Come on, it's no question. Donald Trump put out a tweet, I guess, where he referred to big tech as Big T. And everybody thinks he referred to himself as Big T. And then Trump was like, no, I was saying big tech, not me. And I'm kind of like, I don't know. I, you know, I think the Big T thing really works. I mean, Trump's in the WWE Hall of Fame. They should call him Big T. I kind of like it. It's entertaining, is it not? That's why I think a lot of people probably tuned into the Donald Trump one. But we'll see what the ratings turn out to be. They say on NBC, Trump had Trump was asked about coronavirus, QAnon his own diagnosis, and his taxes by Guthrie. While on ABC, Biden spoke LGBTQ rights, court packing, and the 1994 crime bill. But Joe Biden wasn't asked about Antifa, and he wasn't asked about Hunter Biden and the email scandal that's erupting right now. Republicans voiced outrage about the president's campaign event, accusing Guthrie of turning the town hall into a debate and arguing that he faced a much tougher round of questioning than his rival. Yeah, well, hold on for a minute. This is this is me saying the game is rigged. OK, but Guthrie is not Stephanopoulos. They're two very different people. But I'll tell you what I have done interviews. I know the pressure. I get it. Let me explain something to you. When I sit down with Enrique Tario of the Proud Boys, it was tough. It was really tough because this is a guy who's been banned from all these different platforms. There's a risk that I could get flack. I could be accused of whatever. What I'm trying to do as a journalist is ask questions of Enrique to get him to answer for things that he's been accused of and to defend himself for things that he's been accused of. If I say to him, here's what they said at the ADL, it's not because I'm personally attacking him. It's because it's his opportunity now to give a response. If the response is not satisfactory or if he's wrong, I will challenge him, which I did. But the goal is I want people who watched that interview or any interview to be welcoming to hearing what this person has to say. And it's not about good or bad. It's about, is this true? Is this not true? Here's what they said. How do you feel about this? Now, of course, I had some people criticize me saying I went too hard on him and not hard on Madge from Black, Gun- Black Guns Matter. And I had people on the left saying that I was protecting him and I was defending him because they're clearly fascists and white supremacists and all this other nonsense. Let me tell you something. My goal is to be fair to the best of my abilities which means we'll laugh at jokes. I'll ask him questions. He's clearly not a white supremacist. and Tarrio not white. When you look at Savannah Guthrie, what do you see? She was attacking Trump. She wasn't just trying to get to the core of questions, which means it was very obvious. Her approach was satiate the left. My approach was an attempt to be fair to everyone. Savannah Guthrie, satiate the left. It's obvious that is the problem. I can ask Trump all the questions in the world. I can say, Mr. President, you have a golf course in Scotland. And when the U.S. Air Force was traveling, I believe it was the Air Force, they stayed at your private business. Now, what, what you know, many people have criticized you for this, saying that you're using government funds to essentially prop up your businesses. Trump can respond. My follow up. You know, because Trump's response was something like, you know, we are giving a great discount. That's that's probably fair. and It's probably true. It saves money for the government if they're using cheaper properties owned by the president. However, that still provides material resources to at the bare minimum cover costs for your venue. Don't you think that would still be a conflict of interest? One should probably avoid. He can answer. And I say, thank you for your response. Moving on. I'm not here to insult him and argue with him. If he was like, well, you know, uh, we're, we're saving money and that's not true. I'd be like, no, you're wrong, Trump. That's ridiculous. You're stealing money from the. That's, that's insane. That's what you get with, with, with Savannah Guthrie. What that shows me is that these town halls and these media, they don't care about half of the country. They're targeting their audience. They're trying to get the NBC viewership to go, woo instead of actually informing people about what's happening in this country. Journalism died a long time ago. We have some, I I, I know, I've been ranting a lot on this, but let me show you some of the comments. This is funny. Frank Luntz, I love this, famous pollster. How long will NBC go before giving an actual voter the chance to ask a question? Hallelujah, it's the miracle of miracles. NBC finally, finally lets an audience member ask a question to Trump after 20 minutes have passed. I don't I don't I did not turn 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 on NBC News to listen to wine mom complain about Trump. That's what it was. Well, Trump, you're wrong. You're not some crazy uncle. I don't care about your opinion on crazy uncles. What if I like crazy uncles tweeting crazy stuff? That's not the point. You ask me answers. Megan Kelly says so far, this is not a town hall for voters. It is designed to appease the angry NBC employees, Democrats who are pissed off Trump's on NBC at all. Nailed it. Nailed it. Megyn Kelly, hit the nail and out the hammer. Greg Gutfeld says, This is a town hall. Where is the town? It's just Savannah badgering. What a joke. Kaylee McEnany says, A third of the way into the NBC town hall and no questions from the people. Bravo. You know what's funny? I'm not conservative. Regular people can see this. It's like, listen. I, I I have people who are helping build my studio and everything like this. They're regular people. They're not super political. And I ask them about this, and they're like, "I don't understand. I turned on the town hall, but it was just them yelling at Trump for twenty minutes." And I'm like, "I know. <laughs> it's it's all it was. You turn on ABC, and it was like George Stephanopoulos going, oh, "Joe Biden, um, you're you're amazing, and everyone loves you. Why do you think that is?" And then Joe going, "Well, you know, look, man, uh look fat. Uh, it's uh, uh, you know, Obama, and you know, what 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 the thing? That's 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 excellent. Everybody loves Joe Biden. Joe Biden's the best." I'm obviously exaggerating. Let me show you some of the funny responses we got. First of all, go into Twitter and search woman nodding. It's amazing. This woman sitting behind Trump was nodding and giving a thumbs up. And every time she did, I was just laughing. I was like, oh, man, I bet the producers at NBC are going to get so angry about this, but they can't do anything about it. People are allowed. More importantly, however, you'll notice it's not just one woman behind Trump. There was another one over here with a blue mask on. And there was a woman behind Trump with a black mask on. And while the woman with the red mask was nodding all the time, there were a few instances where both all three of these women were nodding. And I was like, you got to, You got to accept that, man. I think Trump does speak to the American people, whether they want to admit it or not. So we have a bunch of people. They're really, really mad. The woman nodding her head behind Trump was ID'd as Myra Jolie, an immigration lawyer, five-time beauty queen and Trump supporter. Some people are saying things like, This this is not an undecided voter. She's clearly pro Trump. I think they said I could be wrong that the people there were on the left and the right. Like some people were Republican and Democrat and had voted for Trump in the past. So I don't think it was a secret that there were Trump supporters there. Here we go. Can we just talk about this beautiful woman of color nodding at Donald Trump's every word? (laughs) It was funny, man. What is this guy saying? Who is the nodding uh, woman? Uh, who is the nodding woman gaslighting TV people with the most Pavlovian 1984-ish incendi I've ever seen? Who is she? Who placed her? Who allowed it to remain perfectly framed in the background? I love it. It gets better. I bring you now, Brandy Lee, medical doctor. I was not going to watch the NBC Town hall. What a travesty that they would hold it in the first place. Another huge victory for mental pathology to be given a platform. But it is an assessment of his condition. His defenses are accelerated, even more fierce than at the debate. There is visual manipulation once again. A prominently seated black woman is nodding her head constantly to his talking points. This is exactly the mind controlling technique I was looking for. And there it is. Oh, she's found it. The mind control that NBC is using on you. So Let me get this straight. NBC held a town hall. Where they berated and badgered Donald Trump and wouldn't shut up, calling him the crazy uncle, yet they secretly placed a Trump-supporting woman to nod behind Trump. Yes, you agree with the president. No, shut up. Oh, man. <laughs> 2020 is amazing. I know we've had a bunch of crazy things happen that are bad things. Bad things have happened, too. And we could be upset about the bad things. I mean, people lost their lives with COVID. There have been a lot of riots. But if you haven't been laughing at least half of what's going on, you're missing out, man. This is good fun. She says the host is trying very hard. And no matter how hard she tries, the simple fact of her not being a mental health professional applying very specific methods designed for containing a severely impaired individual makes all her efforts null and void. Who is this lady? I just she popped up. She got 90,000 followers. Yes, switching momentarily to Joe Biden's town hall is a world of difference. A civilized discussion for a change allows you to think clearly and recognize that life does not have to be full of anger, fear and relentless tension. What few Trump supporters get to experience. You know, this lady needs to have herself checked because yeah. When you watch Trump, there's there's a lot of anger, but it's not Trump's not the one making it. You watch Trump on on uh, like a Fox interview or like David Portnoy. And it was just kind of like, yep, that was that was fine. That was that was interesting. You listen to him on Rush or something. And it's like just they're talking about stuff and they get heated for sure. Joe Biden loses his mind. I don't know. But to to, to think these, you know, these people live in a bubble. Let me tell you something. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, uh, Brian Stelter, I've tweeted out this thing saying that, Trump is in his alternate reality, and they really don't get it. They are in the alternate reality. You know how I know? You want to know how you, I, I can prove to you very easily that you and I are in the real world, not the fictional bubble universe created by media? We recognize white supremacy and anti-far bad. It's that simple. It really is that simple. White supremacists are bad. Nobody really likes them. You go to anyone's house, knock on anyone's door, and you ask them, and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, It's terrible. You ask about Antifa and they're going to be like, uh, most people might be like, what is what is Antifa? Like, oh, oh, the rioters. Some people might not know. But if you said the rioters are bad, right? Yeah. Do you think Joe Biden should call them out specifically by their group names and denounce them? They'd probably be like, yeah, the riots are really bad. Well, Joe won't do that. Savannah Guthrie won't do that. George Stephanopoulos won't do that. That's how you know they're in bubble world. They've taken a big portion of this year's news cycle, 130 plus days of rioting, and they ignore it. George Stephanopoulos did not ask Joe Biden to uh, condemn the riots, to condemn Black Lives Matter, to speak about the riots and what it means to people. He didn't ask them to condemn Antifa. He didn't ask him much of anything having to do with the biggest, second biggest, maybe news story of the year, ongoing riots. They've been happening relentlessly, and they're still happening now. In fact, Abraham Lincoln had been torn. A statue of Abraham Lincoln had been torn down. And they want to tear down more. Why wasn't Joe Biden asked about that? Isn't that kind of weird? Like there's riots going on. Serious riots. People have lost their businesses. Not an issue. These people don't live in the real world. And I know because I talk to people out in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so I'm in the South. I'm in the Philadelphia area and I'm in a suburban area. I'm asking people. They all know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows about the riots. You know why? Because we get alerts from a local government when the helicopters are flying above us. Joe Biden didn't say anything about it at all. Trump did call out Antifa. Trump did denounce white supremacy and he denounced Antifa, both on that town hall. That's the real world. In the real world, you do have fringe, wacko, you know, white supremacists. And you do have fringe, wacko Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And Trump says it's all bad. Joe Biden never talks about it. Why? I think what you see from this, it's very obvious. Donald Trump is looking at everything. And the left is only looking at Donald Trump. And so they're like, it's amazing when when Savannah Guthrie asked Trump about white supremacy, like you were you refused to denounce white supremacy. It's like I denounce it. I denounce it again. I'll denounce it now. I denounce white supremacy. I denounce it before. And she goes, but don't you seem a little reluctant? He's like, what? That these people live in a paranoid, delusional bubble. They have lost the plot. But I promised you a hat trick. So we're gonna wrap up with two very uh, big stories that just prove the media is, they're they're duplicitous snakes. From the Washington Post, White House was warned Giuliani was target of Russian intelligence operation to feed misinformation to Trump. Oh, how convenient. The story comes out right after Giuliani, allegedly, gives access to Hunter Biden's emails to many people, including possibly the New York Post. They were like sitting on this, like, oh, as soon as as soon as Giuliani, you know, reveals any information, we're going to claim it's a Russian intelligence operation. Why is this allowed? Why can they claim over and over again, Russian BS? Well, let me tell you something else. Ice Cube says CNN canceled his interview with Chris Cuomo because, quote, they can't handle the truth. After it emerged, the rapper has been working with Trump on a plan for black Americans. Amazing. That's it. CNN canceled his interview with Chris Cuomo. He said, so the powers that be canceled my interview on Chris on Cuomo primetime tonight. I've actually been banned, banned from CNN for a few months. So I was surprised they even asked, but it seems like they can't handle the truth. Ice Cube. He's not like a particularly pro Trump guy, but he's working with Trump to help black Americans. Sounds to me like Trump is serious about helping Americans. The Democrats in the media won't tell you that. They'll say Trump's a racist. Is Ice Cube a racist? I guess CNN thinks so. CNN's in the bag for the Democrats. That's obvious, and so was NBC. Now it's surprising NBC would actually have a town hall with Trump, but maybe the goal was it was an opportunity for a journalist to attack and berate him on TV. Maybe maybe that's, maybe that's what they were thinking. I can't tell you, man, but I can tell you this: every single time they try and pull off some of these like stunts to smear Trump, it backfires. Because you know what we learned yesterday from Savannah Guthrie and and the town hall. We learned that everything Trump says about the media, about social media is true. You were given the opportunity to see how George Stephanopoulos was handling Joe Biden. You were given the opportunity to see how they handled Donald Trump. And with Trump, they just yell at him nonstop. No matter what he says, they yell at him. Joe Biden is not even challenged the least bit. It was pathetic. You look at what's happening with CNN. You look at Twitter posting literal lies saying Joe Biden had nothing to do with outing that Ukrainian prosecutor. And I think it's obvious now it was all completely bunk. The media is broken. They live in a paranoid, delusional state, and their only goal is to manipulate you, me, but it's not working anymore. Now, YouTube just purged a bunch of channels under the guise of banning QAnon. Some of these channels weren't actually conspiracy channels, yet they got nuked anyway. Welcome to the brave new world. It's going to get worse. I can't imagine I'll last much longer on this platform. I have no idea what's going to happen, but, you know, I was asked, I think it was Michael Malice was saying, like, I'm surprised, something to the fact I don't want to quote somebody if, if I get their quote wrong, but he said something about, like, you know, how am I still, you, you know, like, I, they, they clearly must like me or something. I can't remember exactly what he said, but I had someone on the show, and they were like, why aren't you banned yet, you know, essentially, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, yeah, I should be proud, right, because I'm, I'm, I'm challenging the system, aren't I? I guess whatever, man, I have no idea, but I'll do it as long as I can, and so uh, if, 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 if if I'll do the best I can, and I'll try to be fair to the best that I can. Look, I, I said I said a while ago that I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump. And he does a lot of things that really makes me angry. Recently, he said, you know, when it came to Michael Reinhold, the guy who killed the Trump supporter, he's like, they came in 15 minutes. They did not want to arrest him. They knew who he was. And now he's gone or something like that. And I'm like, that's psychotic. I don't like it. I don't. But come on, man, Joe Biden. I feel like I'm in Johnny Rotten territory. You know, I, I talk to a lot of people and I'm like, dude, I would not in any normal circumstance want to vote for Donald Trump. I'm happy with the peace agreements. I'm happy with pulling troops out of the Middle East. Trump's not perfect on foreign policy. He increased drone strikes, commando raids, all that stuff. I think he's doing better now, but I'll take the win over Joe Joe Biden. But it's more about cancel culture, the culture war, and critical race theory stuff. But I'll tell you what, it's like I'm happy about it. But it is what it is, I guess. So I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Why were Hunter Biden's emails released in October? Only a couple weeks before a presidential election. I think the answer is obvious. It's politics. It doesn't mean the stories aren't true. It doesn't mean the stories aren't important. I think they're very important. And I think it's likely true. But uh, come on, let's be real. Are we going to sit here and lie to ourselves? The reason the information got released in October was October surprise, baby. And there's probably a lot more on the way. We'll see how things play out. But welcome, my friends, to the era of dirty politics. And I mean, like, worse than normal. I got a couple stories for you. TikTok users watched Biden's town hall on multiple devices to try and beat Trump's ratings. It didn't work. TikTok users tried tricking the GOP into having an empty event by buying up all the seats. They just ended up giving the GOP money. The reason why I say this is the era of dirty politics is that we, we've had dirty politics for a long time. Don't get me wrong. That's how the game is played, right? But it's just getting nastier and nastier. And now everybody is is playing ball. TikTok users, random social media people trying to manipulate the ratings. And I think it just made Joe Biden look really bad because Donald Trump got nearly two million more streamed viewers than Joe Biden did in the town hall. And Joe Biden's views were fluffed up by TikTok users using multiple devices to record more unique viewership. It did not work. But no, but I was thinking about the story with Hunter Biden in the emails and how you have these journalists saying, don't share the story. You now have journalists at a couple different outlets saying NBC should not have given Donald Trump a town hall. So Joe Biden just gets to have a town hall and Trump doesn't come on. Trump's town hall was a debate with the moderator anyway. The game is rigged. It's a dirty, dirty battle, an uphill battle for people who like Donald Trump. But we'll see how things play out. But the first thing we're going to do, we're going to gloat. We're going to revel in the failures of the TikTok teens and Mr. Hank Green, who tried to flub the numbers and couldn't even pull it off. Here you go, baby. From Newsweek, TikTok users watched Biden's town hall on multiple devices to try and beat Trump's ratings. When you, when you hear that not only did Trump beat Joe Biden, but that Joe Biden's numbers were actually worse anyway. eh? you know, what do you expect? Who wants to watch Sleepy Joe... With 50 million commercials and freebies. I want to see a real conversation, man. Let's read. TikTok users banded together to try and boost Joe Biden's town hall ratings over President Trump's event last night. The presidential candidates were due to debate at, at the same event until Trump's COVID diagnosis. Days after the first debate threw a spanner in the works. The Commission on Presidential Debates planned for the second debate to go ahead virtually, but Trump refused and said he would only debate in person. Biden decided to go ahead with a with a scheduled town hall styled event on ABC. But Trump then decided to host his own event on NBC at the same time, meaning that viewers would have to choose to watch one or the other. Trump is obsessed with ratings, even bragging about the number of viewers his daily coronavirus briefings drew. So his town hall events, ratings and how they compare to Biden's are likely to be important to the president. Yeah, probably. There was a really funny story the other day from Daily Beast, and it said sources familiar with the president's thinking Say he wants to beat Joe Biden in the ratings or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Sources familiar with the president's thinking is one of the greatest things modern journalism has ever gifted us. At a certain point, I stopped taking news outlets seriously and just imagine them like clowns doing like little dances. Do, 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 you know, like, uh, are you employing psychics, Daily Beast? They, they are, they can read Trump's mind. I'm impressed. Well, let's, let's see what happened with the TikTok kids. Though Trump did not mention ratings on Friday, the president said on Twitter, very good reviews on last night's NBC News Town Hall in Miami. Thank you. However, TikTokers had a plan to prevent Trump from getting to brag about his numbers. YouTuber Hank Green made a TikTok that has been viewed more than four million times the time of writing, in which he suggested that Trump hosted his event at the same time as Biden's so that he could brag about better ratings. While Green mentions that ratings do not actually matter, as they have nothing to do with electoral votes, he says he came up with a way to stop Trump having his own, this very small win and they still lost. Dude, come on. Green suggested that viewers watch Biden's town hall event on multiple devices simultaneously to boost Biden's ratings over Trump. Hundreds of TikTok users duetted Green's sound with videos of them watching Biden on their TVs, laptops, and phones. Another tactic that TikTok users implemented to try and boost Biden's ratings. Involved opening up YouTube using multiple Google accounts in multiple tabs. I'm gonna stop you right there, kids. That doesn't work. Do you think YouTube is stupid? They understand when someone's watching multiple videos in multiple tabs. Now, different devices should work if you're not logged in and you're registering a different IP address. On YouTube, ABC's live stream of Biden's town hall had around 2.8 million views at the time of writing. However, Trump's town hall was streamed on NBC News, CNBC and CNBC uh, CNBC television with 1.9, 1.6 and 1 million for a total of 4.5 million views to Joe Biden's 2.8. Sorry, your stupid little game didn't work. Not only did Trump still win, but now we know that Joe Biden's 2.8 millions are even inflated. Wow. So what did Joe really get? I can't imagine they generated that much, maybe a couple hundred thousand, maybe a hundred thousand extra views. If if Hank Green can reach millions of people and he can only convince 10 or so percent, you got about 100,000 people and then maybe they use three devices. They use their computer, they use their phone. And so maybe, maybe two to three, if they have three. I don't know. Two makes sense. Maybe some people got smart fridges or watching on their fridge. But if they have a smart TV, they can do TV, laptop and phone. So let's say 300,000. I'm just throwing around. So so let's say Biden actually got 2.5, putting Trump at 2 million above Biden. Now, we don't know that for sure. We don't know how many people tried to scam the game, but it didn't work. And now y'all look silly. You see, this all stems from the Tulsa rally where Trump screwed up. Actually, I think it's Brad Parscale screwed up. They did this thing where they were like, we're going to have the biggest comeback event ever. Everybody RSVP. But they said in their emails, is my understanding, they said, even if you're not going to come, RSVP to show your support. They ended up with like a million RSVPs. So they planned for this massive event, but no one really wanted to go because COVID was scary. They ended up with like 6,200 to 7,000 people and TikTokers claimed they did it. They said, we were all signing up so that nobody could get in. And it's like, yo, it doesn't work that way. This it's first come first serve. You show up to the door, you get in. That's it. There's no reserved seats. So all they did was help Trump by inflating his numbers. But they thought they won. So now they've repeatedly tried to do things like this, and they keep losing. They keep losing because you didn't win in the first place. Let me show you, but we'll read a little bit more, and then I'll show you. This is not the first time TikTok users have trolled Trump. They go on to mention the Trump rally in Tulsa. The campaign boasted more than a million people had registered, but only 6,200 people showed up to a 19,000 capacity venue. But it wasn't anything to do with TikTok, because there's not a million TikTokers who are signing up. Check this out. Staten Island GOP turns tables on Trump hating teen, uh, uh, Trump hating teen TikTok trolls. So they tried doing the same thing. They're like, we're all going to sign up and we're going to we're going to sign up for a Trump rally and and or for a GOP Republican event in Staten Island so that that way we, we fill all the seats and then nobody shows up. OK, they, they, these kids, you know, you ever like meet a kid and they think they're really clever and they're not because they're little kids and they don't know what, you know, and it's like, look, man. I'm not an ageist. Okay, there could be smart youngsters, but I've come across a lot of people who are young who think they're really, really smart, know everything. And I was one of them back in the day. Granted, I think I did know a lot more than the average person because I was very active in politics and nonprofits and stuff. But I certainly was not wise. And that's the important distinction. They say that the difference between uh, uh, actually, let me just tell you, let me just tell you. Knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a, fruit, uh, a tomato in a fruit salad, right? That's the general idea. So you get these young kids, they think they know a lot. They read the news, but strategically, how to put that knowledge together and what to do with it, they don't quite understand. So they keep thinking they're so smart and they're so brilliant, especially when you have these paranoid delusional people in mainstream media who cheer them on because they're high-fiving each other. You get these kids, they made $16,000 for the Republicans. That's how stupid These kids are. They're like, we're gonna show Trump (laughs) here's a donation of five dollars. Why? They were donating five dollars to the GOP to try and troll them. You gave them 16 grand. Stop listening to mainstream news. What happened to that rebel spirit kids used to have, man? I had it. I guess it's gone. Now it's all about the establishment. But this is the result. All of this we see with TikTok is the result of a media system. That doesn't understand real life. Because when the TikTok thing happened, or they don't want to, when the TikTok thing happened with Tulsa, and it was clearly not true, you get all these journalists laughing, going like, yeah, those TikTok teens showed them what for. And then AOC, she's like, oh, you has got punked. And the Republicans are like, no, we just screwed up. We, it, it, what, what are you talking about? And that's what we get when you have a broken media system. Anti-journalism. That's what I call it. I said, Oh, so so first, let me show you this tweet. Cristiano Lima says New York Post staffer taking a victory lap after successfully posting the article, which seemingly is still in violation of Twitter's rules against disclosing private personal info. OK, my response, anti-journalism. It is not enough for Cristiano to not be a journalist. He must actively be an anti-journalist. Do you know Do you get the joke, right? Because they say it's not enough to be uh, uh, to not be, it's not enough to not be racist. You must actively be anti-racist. So that's what I say about these journalists. They're anti-journalists. They do everything in their power to obfuscate, confuse, and suppress. A journalist is supposed to collect and disseminate information to help you better understand what's happening in this world. But when their only goal is to earn brownie points among their tribe, they pump out garbage fake news, high-fiving each other about TikTok. Take a look at this. The TikTok story that I showed you from Newsweek, they don't even go into detail about how they failed. Okay, they failed. It didn't work. Newsweek doesn't even say that. There's like users, you know, wanted to do this to beat Trump's ratings. Perhaps they could have included. It didn't work. Now, to be fair, Newsweek did include the ratings and Newsweek actually has been impressive uh, a bit. In the past few months, because maybe they're hedging their bets for a Trump victory, but they've actually started covering some stories I was surprised they covered because Newsweek's pretty left leaning. But you take a look at this in the New York Post. Well, clearly, the outlet that's being censored is the New York Post. So the New York Post isn't scared of uh, running these stories and pointing out the TikTok teens failed. But if the New York Post is the kind of outlet that's going to get censored, these TikTok teens don't know what they're talking about. And so they think they're winning. And it's kind of sad. It's like watching someone running in a race, but like they, they turn the wrong way. And instead of telling them they're going the wrong way, you have these people going, yeah, 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 keep going. It's, it's hilarious. Keep going. And then they're gone. And you're like, dude, you just totally lost it. You're out. That's what we get with modern journalism. Look at this from the Washington Post by giving Trump a town hall to rival Biden's, NBC is playing into his ratings obsession again. Uh, NBC, you're helping Donald Trump with his ratings obsession. When they knew they couldn't stop Trump beating Biden in the ratings, they complain and say you're helping him. It's called TV. It's called an election. It's called people have a right to hear what Trump has to say. And you know what? I think Savannah Guthrie did a terrible job because if your job was to berate Trump, then fine. If your job was to ask him questions and host a town hall, that's not what you did. But at least NBC News did something right. And Trump did end up winning in the ratings. Look at this story from The Washington Post. This is exactly what I'm talking about. And this story is from just yesterday, yesterday morning. Trump's obsession. You're playing into his obsession. What about Biden's obsession? Look, I know Trump is is all about the ratings, right? But if NBC wants to host a town hall rivaling Joe Biden's, well, there you go. The media is attacking NBC for for giving Trump an opportunity, albeit he got less time than Biden did. I think Biden got an hour and a half. They're attacking them for doing this. And it shows you exactly what I'm talking about. Either they're trying to manipulate the numbers so that Biden wins, which he didn't, or they're just going to complain that they're helping Trump because of his ratings obsession. The reality is they know we know, you know, I know Trump was going to crush Joe Biden's ratings. Now, to be fair, we haven't seen the TV ratings yet, and it could be that Joe Biden won on the TV side, but on the streaming side, he didn't. So I have to I have to imagine it's going to be comparable on TV. Listen, man, Trump accidentally referred to himself as Big T. OK, he, he didn't really he was calling Big Tack Big T. But uh, everyone thought he was referring to himself. So as far as I'm concerned, Trump is big T. Let me tell you something. Big T comes out on stage and he's got energy and pizzazz and X factor. He was a TV personality. You can't beat that, Joe Biden. So I understand why they're upset. They did this at the exact same time as Joe Biden's. In fact, one of the statements put out was, please just do it before or after. And you know what? Honestly, I agree with that criticism. If they did Trump before or after it would have been way better. In fact, the uh, before probably would have been best. But the problem with that then is they would complain. Well, people were tired because they already watched too much TV. The, uh, no matter what he would have done, they would have complained. If they put Trump afterwards, they would have said, well, people skipped Biden because they knew Trump was coming on later. There's nothing Trump could say or do where they would actually be fair about this. So it seems like the best thing they could have done at the same time. After the, the 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 Trump town hall I flipped over to a- ABC and I was just wow. It was awful. It was really awful. I'm sitting there watching Trump go up against the lying fake news and it feels good. It really does. I wish they just gave him a chance and actually asked him questions and let him answer and then asked more questions. They didn't do that. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But it's the perfect example of everything we've come to expect from the media. Trump was able to exemplify every single complaint he's had about the media by what they did. Savannah Guthrie knew they were getting flack over this. They were getting attacked by the Washington Post. I think, uh, is this something New 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 York Times under fire for Trump event faces a big test and bad memories. Yeah. So what did they think? What did they do? Okay, well, if we're going to do this, let's just attack Trump virtue signal. And it was mind numbingly bad, mind numbingly. So you think about what the left's goals are. They're not really mad that NBC had the event at the same time as Biden. They're mad that they know they will lose. That's what it's about. Let me let me let me let me let me stress this point. Do you think they actually cared that Trump was doing a town hall at the same time as Biden's because it made it hard for people to watch both. Well, if you do, you're wrong. What they're really mad about is they know Donald Trump will crush the ratings and no one will watch Biden and they'll look like losers. You want to know why I know that's the reality? Because TikTok teens tried manipulating the numbers in a desperate attempt to make it seem like their ratings would be better. You are not, you are not what's interesting. Most people don't want to hear what you have to say. You are boring, uncool, and you live in a paranoid, delusional state. Trying to cheat the numbers will not change that fact. And that's what it's really about. Trump was always going to crush them because Trump is the more interesting personality and the media is making the same mistakes they've made over and over and over again. You know what that mistake is? They won't shut up about Trump. I think it's funny when, you know, I I can't remember who tweeted this, but they were like, imagine turning on the news to see your president speak and your blood doesn't boil or your your blood pressure doesn't rise. And I'm like, my blood pressure doesn't go up when Trump is speaking. My blood pressure doesn't go up when Joe Biden is speaking. It was really funny to hear someone say that because I'm like, are you really sitting there? And then you see Trump and you go "Mm," and your face turns beet red. I'm sitting there, my eyes, my eyes half closed like that Bugs Bunny meme. And I like lift my wrist and change the channel. And there's Trump. And that's it. Now, I will tell you this. My blood did start. My blood pressure went up when that lady kept nodding because I was laughing so hard. That was hilarious. But that's I think the reality of what we're seeing is these establishment types like Hank Green, Hank, Hank Green, uh, I got no issues with, you know, fine. I just don't understand why he would try to manipulate ratings like this. It's really, really dumb. He's just some YouTube guy who gives his opinion and talks about stuff. And I think that's totally fine. He's a, he's a longstanding OG YouTuber and he helped the YouTube space quite a bit. And that allows other people to be active on the platform. Granted, he's also, I'm pretty sure he's pro censorship and a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, he's got his tribal bias. But look, man, I got no B with anybody. I do have criticism, however, trying to manipulate the ratings. That just says to me, you're desperate, you're scared, you know Trump is going to win. Think about it. TikTok users watched Biden's town hall on multiple devices to try and beat Trump's ratings. You know what that means? It means they knew if they did nothing, Trump was going to win. They knew that Trump was going to win. So they desperately formed a plan to try and get more viewers because they know Joe Biden can't do it. Doesn't that suggest these people are lying when they say Joe Biden's going to win? Doesn't that suggest when they're like, there's no way Biden could lose? They're lying. At least a little bit, right? If they know or I should say, even if, if their assumption is that Trump was going to smash the ratings and they had to intervene to help Biden, stands to reason they think Biden's going to lose, at least in this regard. I know, I know Hank Green mentioned that electoral college votes don't matter. But I think deep down, they are rocked to their core and they are worried about losing in November. Maybe it's because of what happened in 2016. They're traumatized PTSD from that from that election. I've heard people say it. Kid you not. Maybe they 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 think the same way that we all do. The polls are wrong. I mean, look, Joe Biden's doing really, really well in these polls. Don't discount them. But I wonder whatever the phenomenon is that made Trump. Maybe it's only gotten worse. I certainly think so. And I'll tell you this. I talk to a lot of people, a lot of people who are like normie, independent, apolitical, or even left leaning. And I'm hearing a lot of people talk about voting for Trump. We're seeing Trump crush the ratings and we're seeing that woman behind Trump nodding along saying, yep, you turn on Biden and there's like nobody there. Who's Biden talking to at these rallies? No one shows up. That says something, doesn't it? Even if Trump only mustered 6,200 people for that rally. Biden can't even get five or six. I remember there was a really funny moment where one guy showed up or there was one where like a bunch of old people in golf carts were doing a parade and it was like seven golf carts. Who's really excited about Joe Biden? I don't buy it. I really, really don't. Now, to be fair, people did watch Joe Biden's stream. But I have another point to be made. How many were watching both? How many people turned on the Biden stream and the Trump stream and had captions on or watched both? I'd I'd be willing to bet a decent amount. Not too many because I I just turned on the Trump one. I was like, whatever, I don't care. But I wonder, I wonder how many people actually care what Biden has to say. And I'll tell you this. The reason why Donald Trump's ratings are higher is because he's getting the haters and the lovers. And that's an important thing you got to understand. People who hate Trump watch people who love Trump watch because this election is about Trump, not Biden. But if Biden has no enthusiasm and the far left doesn't want Biden, the progressives don't want Biden, then I don't think Biden has the coalition to actually defeat Donald Trump, even if Trump doesn't do that well. So try again, TikTok teens, it ain't going to work, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. It is my main channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The Nielsen numbers are in for the town hall, and Donald Trump lost. Lost by about 900,000 viewers in TV ratings. And of course, CNN is here to gloat. More people watched Biden on ABC than Trump on NBC, MSNBC and CNBC. Oh, smack down, Donald Trump. You lost. Oof. And everybody knows Donald Trump was desperate to beat Joe Biden. Man, this makes Donald Trump look like a fool. Actually, when you include the streaming numbers, Donald Trump actually won by just under a million. So, uh. Good on you, CNN, to include only the Nielsen ratings to make it look like Joe Biden actually won. Now, to be fair, Joe Biden did surprise people with this outcome because a lot of people thought Trump was going to win in the TV ratings, too. And he didn't. Joe Biden did. But I got to be honest, there's like an obvious reason for it. Joe Biden's town hall was an hour and a half longer, probably on purpose for this result, because I ended up watching both. I watched Trump's. And then switched over to Biden's for the last little bit of it. And thus, I probably counted towards a total viewership for Joe Biden. Easy. That's the game they're playing. Then they come out and they say, Joe Biden won. But if you actually combine this with the streaming numbers, Donald Trump still won. They always do this because they want to create news that Biden is winning when he's not. But I'll tell you what what, what I really want to get into in this segment. Tell you what. You know, they were they were saying that the town hall on NBC was an interrogation. It wasn't actually a legitimate town hall. And uh, Vox straight up just says it. Savannah Guthrie delivered the Trump interview we've been wanting for years. I just told you Savannah Guthrie showed how to interrogate President Trump. Interrogate. This was an emotional, pathetic display of anti-journalism. It was just Savannah Guthrie yelling at Trump for 20 minutes. She was asking the same question over and over again. I couldn't take it. I was yelling at the TV. I was like, come on, I was throwing popcorn. I was like Leonardo DiCaprio in that meme. Come on. She was like, Trump, you had COVID. And he's like, you know, I went to the doctor, but you had COVID. I know I went to the doctor, but you had, oh, seriously, just stop. We get it. Yes, question, move on. But they love it. They love it. It's exactly what they wanted. They wanted an emotional response, an emotional TV show where someone wagged their finger at Trump. Mm -mm, Trump, you're wrong. That's what they wanted. Congratulations. You got it. And we were all the worse off for it. Let me show you the ratings first, and then we'll talk about Savannah Guthrie. CNN says Joe Biden's town hall averaged 13.9 million viewers on Thursday night, easily surpassing the Nielsen ratings for President Trump's town hall. Uh, Not really? Trump had 13 million. It's not easily. That's actually comparable. The the Trump town hall averaged 10.6 on NBC. MSNBC reached uh, 1.7 and CNBC 671. So Trump's gross audience across the three channels was 13 million, about 1 million fewer than Biden's audience on ABC alone. Staffers at ABC News privately admitted their surprise when the preliminary ratings came in on Friday. The Nielsen ratings only measure TV viewership on uh, viewership on TV sets. Both town halls were also live streamed to phones, computers and other devices. In the run to Thursday night, the Biden campaign embraced the popular ratings narrative and predicted Trump would outrate Biden. Trump campaign senior advisor Jason Miller said we're going to have a much bigger audience than Joe. And he was right. Trump has been a Nielsen connoisseur for decades. Wallace and The Apprentice, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. But when the TV ratings have disappointed him, He's also shifted to other metrics. When Biden had a bigger TV audience for his convention, Trump complained that online streaming numbers weren't being counted in the totals. There is no industry standard to measure all the various ways the town halls were streamed, both live and on demand. In any event, that would be like trying to combine apples and oranges in the apples to apples matchup between the two candidates. Biden has a better night. There's the excuse. Bravo, Brian Stelter. It's an excuse, man. Listen, conservatives don't trust mainstream news. So they turn to streaming platforms. Not only that, but you're skewing older because younger people probably are on their laptops too. So you're getting bad numbers, baby. You're getting limited numbers. Well, in the apples to apples matchup, I don't care about who watched TV. And besides, Nielsen ratings are so nebulous and vague anyway. How do you even know who watched sample sizes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to YouTube streaming, we can just look at the numbers. Donald Trump won. Sorry, your game is stupid. I covered this story earlier today. TikTok users were trying to, you know, trying to get Trump by manipulating the numbers, but we can see they've actually aggregated them. ABC's live stream had 2.8 million. Trump's combined live streams from NBC, CNBC and uh, uh, CNBC television had 4.5. Trump had nearly 2 million more streamed views. Add these numbers to the total ratings and Trump is up by just about a million views. But they don't want to do that. Because that would be admitting that they're losing. It makes sense when you have regular people who watch. Look, listen, I'll put it this way. If you are more likely to watch mainstream news, you're more likely to hate Trump. It's that simple because I mean, and and especially when it comes to like, you know, NBC or ABC. If you're online and searching for yourself, you're probably more likely to lean towards Trump because you're getting your own information you're choosing. And as we know, the media has become increasingly unreliable, as exemplified by the other story about Savannah Guthrie. She did not do an interview. She didn't an, inter- an interrogation by their own, you know, de- definition. Journalists don't interrogate. Journalists are supposed to coax, you know, answers out. They're supposed to give They're supposed to give people an opportunity to answer questions, sort of like moderating a discussion. So the goal would be Donald Trump. Did you get tested the day of the debate? And when Trump was asked this, he said, probably. I mean, I get tested all the time. Can you say definitively or not? No, thank you. Moving on. She didn't. She just wouldn't shut up. Wow, it was painful to watch. And I think Trump, you know, this was an opportunity for him and they played right into it. It was an opportunity for Trump to prove that these people are more interested in just wagging their finger and being annoying than helping us understand what's going on. That's why I say it's anti-journalism. Vox says, Savannah Guthrie is very good at interviewing Donald Trump. No, she's very good at wagging the finger and then winking to the anti-Trump audience. The day the Today Show co-anchor tapped to moderate the president's town hall on NBC Thursday, faced an uphill climb going in. A lot of observers were upset the event was happening at all. After all, it was the president who pulled out of the original scheduled debate. No, it was the debate commission that unilaterally changed the rules without a discussion, which is not the norm. She was relentless. No line of inquiry came without multiple follow ups. No unfounded assertion was made without a pushback. Dude, that is not what happened. She asked the president about a White House reception for the Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, the event that seems to have sparked a coronavirus outbreak in the president uh, in the president's close orbit and countless others. At this point in the pandemic, knowing what we know, shouldn't you have known better? Shouldn't the White House know better than to hold an event like that? She asked. Trump responded. There's a lot of testing in the White House. He's fine with masks. He didn't wear one at the event in question. And a lot of people who wear masks at COVID-19 anyway. Hey, I'm president. I have to see people. Guthrie shot back. You can see people with a mask, though, right? Masks don't prevent you from getting sick. This is the stupidest thing ever. You had a moron working that debate because Savannah Guthrie, she should not be doing that job. But you could have worn a mask if Trump got sick, the mask wouldn't have changed anything. The CDC guidelines are that you wear a mask so you don't spit on other people. If you want to argue that Trump should have mandated masks for other people. okay then. But you can wear a mask that proves what she was doing was empty, vapid B.S. I am so sick of the fake news. They're not actually trying to help us understand what's happening in this world. They don't ask Biden any hard questions. They don't get to the the core of what's happening in our country at all. It is just, did you see that? I insulted the orange man. High five, slap. Pathetic. Oh, man. Guthrie came in quick. She came in in form and she came in ready. Congratulations on your orange man, bad resistance audience. You served no real purpose here. I have a question for all of you who are listening. How is it that Trump supporters get along just fine watching my content when I say things like Trump's an arrogant, needs to shut up? Like he, he yaps too much or his tweets are bad. Why is it that when I criticize Trump, Trump supporters are more likely like, well, you know, I humbly disagree. When I say to a, to a Trump supporter to their face, I don't like Trump's the way he tweets. They go, well, I do like it. I think it's funny. That's it. That's the response. That's okay. Okay. But if, 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 if I come out, And I say, or if she comes out and she says something that's fair, the left would eat her alive. Why is it that when I say something that would make Trump supporters probably like disagree, the response is, well, you know, I guess we could have a conversation. I've had Trump supporters get mad at me, you know, and insult me and stuff like that. But they don't come and try and cancel me. They don't try and shut my content down for the most part. I do find it annoying when when like, you know, people on the right are like, I don't like this video and they thumbs down my video. But, you know, you're allowed to, I guess. You just do your thing. But why is it that there's a, there's a tendency among the left to try and obliterate someone and destroy them unless they adhere to their ideology? That's the problem. The problem is Savannah Guthrie knew if she went in there and she did a real some some real journalism, the left would destroy her. She knew that if she went in and pandered to the left, the right would probably just criticize her and the left would cheer. And that's what's happening. So she's showing that she's not a journalist. She's not interested in doing journalism. She's not interested in informing anybody or asking any hard questions. Her only interest was earning herself some resistance followers. So you know what? Maybe that's another reason the ratings were bad for Trump. Who wants to sit there and watch this woman complain? I almost turned it off. I got to be honest. When it was like 10 minutes of her saying the same question over and over again, I was like, oh, stop. Just shut up. But she wouldn't. I'm going to keep asking the same thing. We get it, man. Trump just keeps giving the same answer. Move on. Welcome to modern journalism. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Yesterday, the Seattle police said they arrested a man after he set fire to a patrol car in a really strange story. Now, I don't know who this guy is. We'll read the the Seattle police blotter. It doesn't seem to be riot related, but I have to imagine It is. Is it normal for like a guy to grab flaming debris and run to a car and try and burn a car to a crisp with someone inside of it? No. I mean, maybe it could it could be unrelated. But in my opinion, we are seeing an escalation of anti-police sentiment. And as most of you know, you're probably saying, duh, because it's been going on for a long time. But we got a big story here from 770 KTTH. At least 118 Seattle police officers left the department in a mass exodus. The cops are jumping shit. I don't blame them. It's not the first time we saw this, and it's probably only going to get worse. But I'll tell you what, man, when they can't arrest people because of the political atmosphere, when their pay is already pretty bad, why would anyone want to do this job? When people are are, look at this, look at this vehicle. They torched it. And the dude had to go to the hospital with burns. Why would someone want to do that job when you are the butt of a political conflict? The problem, it's exactly what the leftists want. The left, the far left extremists want the cops to be demoralized and quit. And it's working. They're getting what they want. You know, maybe you can't defund the police, but you can demoralize the police. So they quit two, two ways to get the same. You know, there's more than there's more than one way to skin a cat, I guess they could say. Although I don't understand it saying because like who is going around skinning cats? I don't know. Maybe I should look that one up. Anyway, check out this story. It's a good example of probably what's going on. The Seattle blotter says, "Around 1:30 p.m., an officer was in their patrol vehicle in an alley between Dexter and John Street, looking for a man who was reportedly brandishing a flaming piece of lumber. The officer found the man who threw the flaming lumber, believed to be a two by two, into the patrol vehicle while the officer was still inside. Additional responding officers chased the man into a parking garage where they deployed a Taser and took him into custody. One officer is believed to have been dis- to have discharged a firearm during the incident. The suspect was not struck." Additionally, as officers were arresting the man, the flames from the burning lumber engulfed the entire patrol vehicle. One officer was transported to Harborview Medical Center with non-life-threatening burns. Officers are also checking surrounding buildings in the area to ensure no one else was injured in the incident. The Seattle Police Department's force investigation team is on scene conducting interviews and gathering evidence. Details are preliminary, and more information will be posted as it becomes available. So I get a crazy guy running around with flame and lumber. Okay, maybe not riot related, maybe just a crazy guy. But I highlight this because could you I want you to imagine standing there watching a dude with a flaming piece of wood, throwing it at you. And then when you turn around, figuratively, I mean, you have people screaming, the police are the bad guys. All cops are bad. Defund the police. (laughs) Who's going to want to deal with that job, man? It's bad news across the board, but here we go. The defund the police is not over. KTTH says at least 118 Seattle police officers separated from the department. The Jason Rantz show on KTTH is confirmed. In September alone, 39 officers left the force when the typical number for that month is between five and seven. Even new recruits are leaving. There are now only about 1,200 officers in service for the entire city, the lowest it's been in a decade. And even this number is misleading. Many officers are using their accrued sick time as they begin their escape to other agencies or wait for retirement. The city of Seattle will unveil this officer separation data Friday morning. At the same time, developing an alarming side note, the Seattle Police Department withheld staffing numbers, ignoring a public discourse disclosure request. Indeed, the SPD claimed a staffing issue was to blame, but that doesn't appear to be true. At least 118 officers have separated from the force in 2020, with the bulk leaving after the Seattle City Council embraced radical activists pushing to defund the police. Separations are all inclusive, including resignations, including lateral moves to other agencies and retirements. While council members either stayed quiet as criminal activists attempted to murder police or defended death threats, officers gave their notice. Some went to other departments, others retired. The downward trend is expected to continue. The mass exodus of officers started in May with 10 separations, followed by 16 in June, 10 in July, 14 in August. In September, that number jumps to 39. So far in October, there have been eight separations, according to a source. Though this is not not in the mayor's report, police chief Carmen Best, who resigned this year, is included in the stats. They even lost their police chief, who I believe was the first black female to be the police chief for Seattle. This is what I call collapse. So what do you think happens come November? And, 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 and not necessarily politically, but when I tell people that things are falling apart, there's, there's always some you know argument. No, it's not that bad. Things are going to be fine. And I'm like, dude, a mass exodus from police departments, even among new recruits. Why would anyone want to be a cop? Why would you decide I'm going to go apply for a job to be a cop? Now, maybe listen supply and demand. You probably got some people who are desperate for work, seeing cops leave, saying like, I'll do whatever, man. I'll take the job. And not only that, imagine this. Now is the easiest time to be a cop. Yeah, 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 hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. I know it's actually like one of the hardest times to be a cop, but think about this. You get a call, robbery in progress. You don't go. You say, "I'm, I'm not going. There you go. You don't got to do anything anymore. So you get these cops now. Just don't respond to calls. How's that? What are you going to say? You just accuse your boss of being, ra- oh, they want to be out uh, are racist. Yeah, I don't think anyone's actually going to be doing that, but why not? They say not all of these monthly numbers directly match a partial list of data circulated internally with the SPD or mayor's office. They have, however, been confirmed by two police sources and match the total number of separations outlined in the mayor's forthcoming report. The majority of the resignations and retirements were patrol officers. As a result, service calls will not receive the attention they deserve. Quote, Your 911 call for help will go unanswered for a significant amount of time, Seattle Police Officer Guild President Mike Sloan told Jason Rantz show on KTTH. Currently, due to low staff, the median priority one response times that is dangerous in progress crimes that demand immediate response was an astounding nine minutes in the North Precinct from July through September, according to city documents. I got to say, maybe you want to move out of Seattle Um, before it's too late, cause, uh, it seems to be getting worse. Nine minutes. That's pretty bad. You may as well live in the middle of nowhere. Not only that, you can't have guns, can you? With just about 1200 officers in service, Seattle is staffed at lower levels than they were in 1990. The population has increased by 44% since then, and crime is surging with a reportedly 60% year over year increase in homicides. The mayor's office believes the number of deployable staff could drop to 1072 if the trends and hiring freeze continues, along with the council's vote to fire 70 <laughs> They're firing cops. They're firing 70 officers. Can you believe this? But these numbers don't tell the whole picture. Sources reveal that many officers are using sick time at higher than normal rates. Many of them are looking for other jobs in different agencies. When they leave, some officers fear the separations could hit 200. And to put it in perspective, In 2018, when I broke the story of a then mass exodus of officers, it was called Historically Large by the department. That number was 108 for the entire year. It coincided with the council's ongoing attacks on police and working without a salary. The Human Resources Department within SPD was not forthcoming with the staffing numbers. Indeed, it seems apparent that they purposefully withheld them. In July, the Jason Rantz show put in a public disclosure request for separation data from the previous two months. I make this request every month or so. This time, however, the SPD rejected the request. I wonder why. It's coming apart, baby. Look, I moved to the middle of nowhere, right? And I had people being critical. Like, oh, look at Tim, what a dumb prepper. I mean, to be honest, I just put the skate park in my basement, so I'm actually doing all right for myself and wanted more space to hang out, have fun, and be away from the craziness of the city. But I'll tell you what, man, is is it rational to want to live in a city when the cops are leaving? If the cops can't respond to calls, you want to live there? Okay, go do it. I don't care. And you can make fun of me all day, night. That's fine. But when you got a nine minute wait time for 911 calls, that's on you, man, that you're going to have to figure out that for yourself. And when you're in some of these blue cities where they've got crazy restrictions on guns, well, then I don't know what you're going to do to protect yourself. Now, I'm out in the middle of nowhere on elevated ground and I'm armed. We have sheriff, you know, so fine, fine. Maybe it's a fair criticism. That not being in a city, you don't got direct access to like 911. They're not going to make it in time. And the the response time is probably way higher. Sure, fine. But I'm allowed to have a bunch of guns out here and protect myself. So therein lies the bigger question, right? Is it worth staying in a city when you don't know what your taxes are doing, right? Bill Maher said this. And if the cops can't protect you and you can't protect yourself, what are you doing? That's probably why I'm, I'm seeing it, man. I'm seeing these sales go like crazy. Because there were some rural property I was looking at for a long time. It's all gone. We're here in rent collapsing in San Francisco because people are fleeing the cities. Mass exodus from New York. Nobody wants to live in these cities anymore. And the stories like this are exactly why. So they go on. He, he, Jason goes on to say a bit more. He says Seattle City Council overturned the veto to defund the police. And now there are serious consequences. Lost jobs, cut wages and a lot more crime and homelessness. <laughs> That's it's impressive. It really is. At a time when cops are fleeing, they're firing more cops or defunding police, and they're vetoing the, the mayor trying to stop it from happening. If you live in the city, you are reaping what you have sown from your vote. If you like it, congratulations, you got what you wanted. Maybe maybe then in the future, you'll have kind of like a Mad Max escape, for, uh, escape from New York kind of vibe, and you can fight your way to the grocery store for food. Maybe it's a bit of, a, a bit of an exaggeration, but I'll give you a more simple one, an elegy. Maybe one day someone will break your window and break into your home, and there will be no one there to protect you, and you will have no means of protecting yourself. That's on you, though. I mean, if you don't want that, you best leave before it gets too late. I was talking to somebody recently who just moved out of Minneapolis. No joke. They were telling me that they lived in Minneapolis, and they were like, oh, yeah, but I'm I'm getting out. I'm, I'm leaving. And I was like, is it because of it's because of the riots? And they were like telling me that their friend got jumped and beaten for no reason. I'm like, same thing's happening in New York. Yup. That's what you get when you don't got cops. Cops are not perfect. Police departments need reform. I think that's true, but it's better to have them, right? I'll leave it there. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. What do you think the likelihood is that mass protests get organized and those protests remain peaceful? I got to be honest. I actually think it's kind of high because I've seen the, the women's march where they had all the, you know, the the, the pussy hats or whatever. YouTube is probably going to yell at me for saying that word, but that's what they call them. Sure. And it's peaceful. It's like, so, you know, old ladies marching around, waving little flags. And the protest was actually so big. I think this was back in, was this 2017 or 2018? It was so big that they were going to be marching around D.C., but they actually formed one giant wheel of people. No one knew where the front was anymore because there wasn't a front. But here's what we have now. And I'm actually kind of worried about it. Protecttheresults.com. 17 days, 8 hours, 51 minutes until election day. At least the time of uh, recording this. So now you know what time I recorded this, if you can figure out the math. Organizing to protect the results of the 2020 election. We are building a coalition of voters ready to mobilize if Donald Trump refuses to accept the results of the 2020 presidential election. I have a question for you guys. I have a question I want you to answer in the comments. Uh, And also you can answer on Twitter if you watch this soon enough. Here's a story from The Daily Caller. Nearly a quarter of college students say they'll likely protest if Trump wins 2020 election survey finds. What do we get? If Trump loses, they'll protest. If it's contested, they'll protest. If he wins, they'll protest. I asked this question on Twitter. Let me refresh as I am just now recording. If the election results are contested, but leaning toward a Biden victory, should Trump concede for the sake of preventing unrest or conflict? As of right now, with 32,496 votes, yes has 13.9, no 68.6 and unsure 17.5 with the redheaded libertarian at the top response. Hell no. That would set terrible precedent. Take that S right to SCOTUS. Maddie Griggs says, I voted no. But even if the question had said Biden instead of Trump, I would still say they should be invest. They should uh, they should investigate more, especially with all of the fraud. I would need to see more details if this happens, of course. Now, the challenge here with making this poll was who who look, I could have framed it as if if candidate A, if candidate B, so I didn't say Trump. But the real the, the real question I wanted to ask was, will people who support Trump and right leaning individuals, more modern individuals and people who follow me, do they want to see Trump fight back and try and win? The answer is overwhelmingly yes, even if it means unrest or conflict. Or I should say, if it could result in. Now, some have asked, what does it mean it's leaning toward Biden? What I mean is, let's say that Joe Biden wins 271 electoral votes and Donald Trump wins, you know, 260 something, but there are votes up in the air in certain precincts and districts that need that that are that are being contested. Trump is looking like he's not going to win. So he fights and challenges. Let's say that Donald Trump then gets the court to overturn and disqualify some ballots that came in unmarked or without envelopes. And that drops Biden down, putting Trump above 270. And then Trump wins. This could potentially lead to conflict and crisis. So the reality is, I asked this because a lot of people think that conservatives won't do anything. We know the left is going to protest. They say it right here. They're organizing these mass protests. Where's the conservative site? Imagine this. Protecttheresults.com, another version that said organizing to protect the results of the 2020 election. We are building a coalition of voters ready to mobilize if Joe Biden refuses to accept the results of the 2020 presidential election. Where is that? Where's the website that says we are organizing a protest in the event the election is contested and we demand the courts intervene? Where's that? All they're saying is they expect Trump to contest this, and they will protest if he tries. What if the results are Trump, 271, and Biden, like, 260-something, and then Biden files a, files a lawsuit? Trump is the winner, barely, and Joe Biden says, no, I refuse to accept this, because Hillary Clinton said Joe should not concede under any circumstances. Where's the organized protest in the event that Joe Biden refuses to concede? You see how the system is set up? Look, look, the right doesn't organize properly. That's a fact. And that's why Antifa has been out for, for a long time. And, 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 and it is an advantage in some capacities because the Proud Boys are probably like the best organizing the right ever had. And they don't really do much. And they kind of cause trouble. At least the media smears them enough to cause enough trouble for the right. But the right doesn't organize events like this. I think actually I take that back. I'm sorry, not the Proud Boys. Brandon Struck and walk away is the best organizing The right has ever seen. Maybe not not ever, but it's really good. Let me let me let me tell you something. Brandon was a leftist. Brandon was a liberal. He was a Democrat. Okay, he creates the walk away campaign and he's actually got Trump supporters marching through the streets in Los Angeles and other places. Beverly Hills. That's the organizing power the right doesn't have and needs. Where's the website that says defend Donald Trump in the event fraudulent votes, try to strip him, strip him of his presidency, of his win? It's not there. Here's what they say. First of all, they have a ton of events planned. Look at this. I hope you're ready for widespread mass unrest. Interested in in hosting, blah, blah, blah. They say throughout American history, when a president has lost reelection, has always stepped down willingly, accepting he will uh, accept, accepting the will of the people and allowing a peaceful transition of power is a hallmark of American democracy. But today, Trump routinely ignores democratic norms and continues to chip away at democratic institutions. I could say the same thing about Democrats who for years refused to accept that Trump won in 2016. They still don't. This is evidence. Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, has warned Congress that given my experience working for Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020, there will never be a peaceful transition of power. Most recently, Trump even threatened to deploy the U.S. military against the American people to quash peaceful protests. There is no line he won't cross. This whole thing is being framed as though only Trump can do wrong. And that's the real challenge for anyone doing legitimate journalism. Clearly, that's not true. Anybody can do wrong, the left and the right. I want legitimate results. I don't care if it's Trump or Biden suing. Let's have the courts rule in. So ultimately, I'll bring it back to this poll. Comment what you think about this. Should, should Trump just concede because they're planning these mass protests? I don't think he should. But I don't want to see violence. And I'm worried about what happens if the election is all mangled up because of this mail-in voting fiasco. I'll tell you what I think is more likely. I think it's more likely Trump wins on election night. And if he doesn't, well, then he's probably just going to lose, I guess. But I think it's likely that Trump wins on election night. And there was this track, this analytics firm, a Democrat one that said the same thing. It's called the Red Mirage. That's what they're calling it. Trump wins on election night. Then, you know, a week later when the mail-in votes come in, Trump loses. The only problem, mail-in voting's broken. And Democrats have pivoted now trying to encourage people to vote in person. Here's my prediction. And I could be wrong, but here's my prediction. Trump wins on election night and we are close. Trump wins on election night and then mail-in votes don't quite cut it. And Trump still wins by the end of the week. But Joe Biden refusing to concede says it's not fair. These ballots got disqualified and then starts filing suits. It is more likely based on what we've seen. That mail-in ballots will be discounted, rejected for for a variety of reasons. Joe Biden and the Democrats will then sue, saying, that's not fair. A thousand votes here, a thousand votes there, and Joe Biden would have won. They will take it to the Supreme Court. Now, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I'm just saying that's a likely scenario, in my opinion. It's possible the polls are so bad for Trump, he just loses on election night. Joe Biden wins. And then they say, yeah, well, who cares about counting the rest? I think it's funny that they say mail-in ballots are going to always favor Democrats. They're arguing that because Trump told Republicans not to vote by mail and to vote in person, that's why. Maybe it's a good reason. If that's the case, then, based on their logic, the Democrats are going to lose millions of votes. They're saying, I think, was it 50 million votes by mail for for, for Joe Biden are likely to come in? Think about what that means for every Democrat in every jurisdiction. If they lose 2 to 3% due to the margin of error being higher— Mail-in ballots. I think it's going to be higher than two to three percent. I'll tell you why. In 2012, they uh, the New York Times did a story that said as absentee ballot rises, errors and, and you know and discounted votes you know rise as well. It makes sense. People who don't know how to fill these things out screw them up, and then their vote isn't counted. Now imagine you've got 50 million people, most of whom have never voted by mail, screwing everything up. We've already seen in California microwaving ballots, ironing, or like uh, what was it uh, uh, disinfecting and smearing it all and just making it garbage. What happens when you scale that up to 65 million people plus? We're probably going to have more than that. I think they're estimating like 70 75 million Democrats maybe. What happens when out of that 75 million you have a you have a traditional margin of error for 2 to 3% based on the New York Times on absentee ballots. But absentee is requested. What happens when you give random people universal votes and it's not in every state but in some key states? You're probably going to see a failure rate much higher, maybe maybe five percent. I don't know what the hard number will be, but I'm willing to bet the red mirage happens. Then when the mail in ballots are coming in, Joe Biden doesn't cut it. And many of these mail in ballots are, are then challenged by Biden himself. It is possible, however, the inverse happens. They've been trying to pass laws to make it easier to vote by mail. So it's possible that Trump wins. The mail-in ballots come in for Biden and then Trump sues because these mail-in ballots should have been disqualified and they can't be they they can't be properly vetted, in which case he will probably win in the Supreme Court. And then you end up with a president who isn't legitimate. So saith the left. Maybe that's the real goal. I honestly don't know. But I do think it's I I, I am leaning towards I think Joe Biden is going to be the one contesting. I guess it's kind of stupid to make a prediction right now. We're, We're about two weeks out, so. I suppose just get your beers ready, get your popcorn and uh, sit back. It's going to be a wild ride. But I'm pretty sure we're going to see a lot of violence, as you can see from these these protests being planned. I understand they're saying peaceful protests, and I can understand that. But come on, man, you you set up these large, widespread national protests. There's going to be riots. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.